0: I don't know if there's anywhere written the rules for those games. Uh, A lot of times, like we'd play tag, there would be some kind of conversation would go like this something effective. No, that's the way it is. It's like this. You're supposed to touch them. When they touch them, they do this. No, 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 no. It's this way. And you'd get in arguments about the exact rules on how you even play a game called tag. But sometimes you'd have agreed upon rules. And you would be playing by those agreed-upon rules, and one side would just keep winning and winning and winning and winning. And so you would decide, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. We're going to change the rules. We're going to make this the new rule. And everybody would agree that from now on, the rest of the night, when we play kick the can, this is the new rule. This is the new rule for kick the can, and this is the way it's going to be. And we all understood that. And we went out and played kick the can with the new rule. You ever think in life it'd be good if they could make some new rules? <laughs> you know, life, you know, you, life just, gets to, just gets to rolling up on you. And you just think, you know, there needs to be some new rules. Life's hard. It's tough. It's difficult. And it's, it's, it's too bad there isn't the a rule for this. In Romans, chapter 13, there's some new rules being laid down for how we're supposed to do this thing called life. Now, if you remember, back in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, there's this this statement that's supposed to just like be stuck on your heart lived out in your life. And that is, I beseech you, therefore, God, uh, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's the new rule. It's the new order. And now what Paul is doing in chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, he's taking that new rule and he's bringing it to bear upon our lives. And one of the places he brings it to bear is in chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. He tells about how it, how it applies to our relationship within, uh, within government and, and our government and how we live. And uh, he, he kind of is, is bringing it all together and summing it all up. And he's saying that, uh, that we're to pay our taxes. But we're not to pay our taxes just because they're due. We're to pay our taxes for the glory of God. Now, I talked last week about tar waters a little bit. And I had an experience this week at Tar Waters that that I think just perfectly illustrates what we're talking about for the glory of God. Someone gave me a snowblower, but it didn't run. And so I thought, it's a free snowblower, it looks brand new. I wonder what it'll take to get it running. And so I called Levi, and I said, hey, Levi, what would it cost to get my snowblower running? And Levi said, well, there's $35 now, and if no parts or anything, that's, you know, they can figure it out. And so I dropped off my snowblower, and I went by a couple of days later because they called me on the phone. And I went down to the counter where a couple of Levi's employees that had not heard the conversation that Levi and I had had were there. And I said, hey, Brian Hardy, if they got a snowblower, it's fixed, it's running for me. And they said, sure, that's 114 dollars I was like, 114? And then I thought to myself, these guys know that I'm Levi's pastor. And if I'm going to get that 114, I'm going to go into Levi's office and get it, but I'm not going to get it from these guys. By the way, I didn't go to Levi's office because they have a business they're trying to run and they have a, a fair schedule for how that all works out. But I paid my 114. For the glory of God. Because I wanted the testimony of Christ to ring out in that place that they didn't have one more guy that was ticked off with a bill. Maybe someone else did come into Tar Waters that day ticked off with a bill, but it wasn't me. I did it for the glory of God. And by the way, Levi, the snow blower works, it'll never snow the rest of the year. And you all owe it to me. (laughs) Because I have a snowblower now. So render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes due. Revenue to whom revenue is due. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor is due. Live your life for the glory of God and give what people expect. Because that pleases God and it opens up an avenue of testimony into this world when you do that. In fact, Paul goes so far as to say, oh, no man anything. Here's the actual Greek. Mendeva, Mendev, Ophelet. Never, nobody. Oh. Now if Alex Creston was here, she would say it is inappropriate to use a double negative. But she doesn't teach Greek. She teaches English. And in the Greek, they use double negatives all the time to make a point. And the point of a double negative is exactly what you would think it is. Never nobody. Oh. The, the writer, Paul, is expressing something that he he feels deeply about, and he's saying it in a way to make the point abundantly clear. He's not saying we can't have credit cards. He's not saying we can't have accounts at different businesses. What he's saying is, keep the accounts of your life short for the glory of God. Never. Nobody. Oh, wherever the place, whatever the time, whoever the person... Have your transactions with them be such that in the highest possible way you exemplify to them the glory of God. Why? Well, because there is a debt you cannot pay. Choose to love somebody today. Oh, no man, anything except to love one another. You know the story, don't you? The guy was in debt and he came and his master said, you're in debt, buddy. You owe me, you owe me a gazillion bills, dollars. You owe me more than the debt of the United States of America. And the guy says, oh, please, don't, no, no, don't, no, no, don't, don't send me to jail. He says, oh, man, you can't even pay this back. Please, no, 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 no. Okay, all right, I forgive it. And he goes down the street and he finds his brother, a buddy of his, that owes him a thousand bucks. And he says, you're going to jail for this, man. You owe me a thousand dollars. You don't know how tight my budget is. And somebody sees what he's doing, and they go back and they tell the master... He, when begged to forgive, held it over his friend's head. And the master calls him back in and says, What are you doing? You know the story, don't you? Yeah. He had been forgiven a debt that was so huge, it it wasn't even compatible to his brain. And he had a debt owed to him that was a debt. But he forgot what he had been forgiven. Choose somebody to love today. Identify someone in your world that needs your love. See, that's the point of this. That's the point of this statement. Never, nobody, oh! Identify somebody. Who in your world needs to be loved? Now, I'll give you a little pre-qualifier. Here's a little pre-qualifier. They're the person that so much doesn't deserve to be loved. The person that came unglued with you. They need to be loved. The person that kind of cheated you. They need to be loved. The person that took advantage. The person that cut you off. You know, I was in Walmart the other day. I was in Walmart the other day, and there was like no aisles open. Everybody keeps shopping there's nowhere to check out. <laughs> no. So anyhow, I'm in Walmart, and I'm thinking, I wish there was someone in here to check us out. And finally, blink, the little light came on down at aisle number 59 or whatever it was. And I thought, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And some lady with a cart full of stuff, I mean, she's feeding the Soviet army. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Actually, I didn't do that on the outside. I just go, I smiled, because she's probably got screaming kids out in the car. And the sooner she gets there, the more she'll hear them scream. No, anyhow, I, so I, I, I said, and, and so she got all the way up there, and she got the little stick thing out, and she put it there and everything else. And then she looked at me, and she goes, oh, is that all you have? And I gave the sorriest puppy dog look I could ever. <laughs> She goes, why don't you go ahead of me? And I did. <laughs> Find someone to love. Find someone to love. Never. Nobody. Oh. But but no, rather to love. Find somebody to love. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. You know the story, don't you? You know the story. Jesus is meeting with these guys and they're talking about it and they say, what's the law? Explain the law. And so they get into this whole thing and, and one of them says, "Though the, the law is to love your neighbor as yourself, which is an extremely accurate quotation taken from the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yes, that's the law, but seeking to justify himself, he said, but who's my neighbor? Yeah, yeah. Who's my neighbor? Huh? You know, I mean, I, I live in a pretty exclusive area. And Jesus started a story about a Samaritan who on his journey down to Jer- Jericho came across a man who had fell among thieves. Before the Samaritan got there, a Levite had walked by Before the Samaritan got there, a priest had walked by. But the Samaritan, he couldn't walk by. He stopped. Ministered to this man. Gave him his own mule. Took him on down to Jericho and told the owner of the spa, keep track of his bill, and when I come by, I'll pay it up. Last that guy saw of the Samaritan, he was in a hot tub, (laughs) getting his body healed up. In your world, right now, you know of somebody that needs love. in your world right now. Paul goes on, for the commandment is, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covenant. And if there is any other commandment, they're all summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know where those four things come from, don't you? Uh, they're part of, uh, man, there's the list. Uh, oh, man. Uh, how long? Is, is there eight, seven, six, five? There's, there's ten of them. Isn't that what it is? There's ten of them, yeah. They're called the Decalogue. And, and you know them as the, the uh, uh, oh, we'll just call them the uh, Ten Commandments. Here they all are. I'm the Lord your God, have no other idol before me, do not take the name of the Lord in vain, honor the Sabbath, honor your father and mother, do not murder do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not covet and the four that are circled are the four that Paul highlights I I, I just want to ask you a question, do you think there's the possibility that Paul just couldn't remember the other six and so he just kind of said "Eh." "Yeah, you, you know the rest of them, or do you think Paul is highlighting a certain number of them that are specifically important to the argument he's making. Which do you think it is? How many think Paul couldn't think of the other six? Raise your hand. How many think Paul is intentionally highlighting the ones that he's highlighting for a reason? Yeah, obvious. And so the way so so what he's doing is he's qualifying what love is. He's qualifying love by do not murder Do not commit adultery. Do not steal and do not covet. Now I have a neighbor. And let's say my neighbor was walking out to the mailbox. And I say, hey neighbor, I love you buddy. I just want you to know you're my best neighbor. I've never slept with your wife. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a good neighbor. I've not killed you. I've not stolen your snowblower either. Ha <laughs> ha. And I don't even want that thing you call a car. That's because I love you, man. Now, just to kind of help us out on this, the one that he doesn't highlight is: do not bear false witness. These are the ones that are toward other people. Do not bear false witness. Well, that's because we're all guilty of that one. <laughs> Who doesn't lie? He highlights the four that we've got a shot at not breaking. Now, I know the Bible says if you look at a woman to lust after her, the Bible says if you're angry at someone in the heart, you do the same as... I know that, but, but for the most part, we can say, check, 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 yeah. He's highlighting what it's abundantly obvious we haven't done so that he can tell us what we need to do because this is what the law gets you to. What's the minimum standard? What's the least I need to do? You know, you're sitting in the first day of a class and the professor's up there telling you what all you can do and somebody raises his hand, what's well, the least I can do and still get an A? You want the excellent, but you want it at the least possible price. Fix my snowblower, but $114, come on. That's that's what Paul's highlighting. Now, to really help us understand this, we need to see this statement. This is the statement from which the verse is quoting that we like to uh, love your neighbor as yourself is the fulfillment of the whole law. And it's from Leviticus 19.18. You can go look at this if you want to, but the first half of the verse is, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, if you remember from our study of this section of scripture, the quotation, thou shalt not take vengeance has already been brought into the text. Remember? Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place for wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. See, the the, the vengeance part is there already, earlier in chapter 12. But now he quotes the other part of it. See, this is what we want to do with the rules. We want to take the rules and we want to plaster them on our neighbor's house and say, why can't they do what they're supposed to do? Instead of looking at our neighbor and thinking to ourselves, there is someone that needs love. See, that's where the second step of this whole passage really begins to stand out. Eliminate all the excuses for not loving them. See, I, I need to identify someone that needs to be loved. But then the, the next thing I need to do is I need to eliminate all the excuses. And by the way, excuses are, are, are kind of sort of quasi good reasons. Well, I already gave them a fruitcake at Christmas. I don't know what else they need. See, I, I need to eliminate the excuses. Well, they need to be happy that I've not murdered them yet. I didn't steal their lawnmower. By the way, most excuses are pretty lame. They're lame just like those four rules are lame when you really think about them. But but they work for us in the moment. And so we use them. We, We often don't speak them out loud. Because we know that other people in the room will see them for what they are. I'll give an example. I will be thinking about somebody and I'll be going, and Charlene will say, what are you saying, Brian? Well, I don't want to tell her what I'm saying because I know that she's going to take it apart. And I'll I'll say, indigestion, that's all. (laughs) See, excuses lock up your heart. Against love. And so, so Paul quotes the law here because he knows that we're going to have good excuses. You know, we're, we're biblically informed people, so we know how to come up with really good excuses. We've learned, we've learned how it works. And so we know that you can't use lame, bad excuses, so we come up with really good biblical excuses. But they are still what they are and that is excuses and the law wasn't given to give you an excuse the law was given to show the glory of your king our savior Well, the text goes on. If there is any commandment, they are all summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm always amazed when I read that that God didn't say this. You shall love your neighbor in the right way. Doesn't say that. He doesn't say, You shall love your neighbor as I would want you to. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, You shall love your neighbor as I love your neighbor. He says instead, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Ask yourself about this person that you've identified that needs love. If I were in their place, what would I want someone to do? You might not be right but you'll be sincere. Because you might think the thing that they would want is something that you would want and so you do what you would want and they they say that's not quite right. But if your heart is there, if your heart is in, I'm going to try to do for them the very thing that I would want someone to do for me if I was in that same place. You might not hit it exactly but you'll come close enough to the target They will sense the sincerity of your heart. Now, I'll give my wife as an example once more because this never happens to any other guy in the world, but but it does happen to me every now and then. So I'm going to give this a little bit of advice. And guys, if you're listening, you might figure out that this will work for you. Sometime my wife will say something like this to me. She'll say, Brian, could you just hold me? What she's saying is, is, shut up, stand there, hold me. That'll get us by for now. Now, I don't know if that will ever work for any other guy in his room, but I have talked with a number of guys that it did work for them. So let me recommend that to you. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Sometimes you just have to be there. By the way, there's a lot of times I just want someone to listen to me. Like right now, for instance. <laughs> ask yourself this question if I were in their place what would I want there's someone in your world that you need to identify that needs love there's someone in your world that you need to identify that needs to be loved and get rid of all the excuses and, and reach out to them and and do for them what you would like done for you if you were in the same place. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Does that mean everything you ever do is always going to work out? No. No. Love. Love is deeply motivated within not to do wrong. In fact, the word phileo, which is the action word for love, the word phileo was never found here. The word phileo is used of, of when I act in love. And if you remember back earlier in Romans chapter 12, it says we should be motivated agapeost. We ought to be agapeost so that we might love phileoos, the brethren. And so we, we're, we are are. We are motivated to act in love. But the word acting in love is never found here. The word phileo is never found. It's always the word agape. It's always the word for the deep motivation of the heart of my consciousness is love. And love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love... is the fulfilling of the intent of the law. You could keep the Ten Commandments forever and not be loving, but if you want to actually fulfill the full righteous intent, it is in love. You know, in other words, let's just get rid of the other ten and let's just concentrate on the love. You say, oh no, we don't want to get rid of the Bible. Well, I know we don't want to get rid of the Bible, but just think about what the Bible has to say about this. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my students, you are my followers, you are my disciples. If you have love, one for another and this is his commandment this is this is god's commandment that we believe in the name of the, the son jesus christ and love one another as He has commanded us. And this commandment we have from Him. Whoever loves God must, must, must also Love his brother. Walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Walk in this. Just walk in this. Walk in the walk in the fragrance of what God has done for you. Oh beloved, if 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 God so loved us, should we not also love one another? <laughs> oh man, let us love one another. For loves from God. And whoever loves has been born. I watched a video this week. I watched a video this week. This basketball player, this happened about a year ago, but I just saw the video this week. Happened about a year ago. This team was in the championship bracket. They were one game away from going to the championship finals of a European League. And one of their top players, his wife, went into labor to have a baby in the hospital and at halftime the coach sent their top player to the locker room to get dressed to get to the hospital for the birth of his son and they lost the game and afterwards they were the reporters were asking the coach they were asking the coach and they said why would you let him go at a time like that and the coach said do you have any children do do you have any children and the reporter said no and he goes you'll understand then someday you'll understand someday there, there's there's nothing there's nothing like that, that 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 do you think basketball is everything that that to be there and to see life oh man what what a clip what a clip. And by the way, the coach used to play for Maryland. And I remember when he played for Maryland. He would knock anybody over, stomp on anybody for his team to win. It's not that he didn't have a commitment to win. He just realized there was something bigger than that. He's been born of God. And he knows God. Let all that you do, let all that you do, let all that you do be done in love. got one last one you ready for it I'll be honest with you I don't think you are in fact I really don't ever expect you to be ready for this next one In, in fact if you are ready for this next one then then you're not really ready you just think you're ready Because this next one, this next one is impossible to fully grasp. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. the debt that cursed you to hell was nailed to someone because they loved you. They loved you. They still love you. And they will always love you. And nothing you do Will ever diminish his love. And he wants that to inspire you to love others. And to be quite honest with you, if it doesn't, nothing I say can. Oh, God in heaven, who loves us. Oh, God in heaven, who bore the weight of our sin on your precious Son, who loves us. Oh, God in heaven, who bore the weight of our sin on your precious Son, and revealed it to us by your Spirit who loves us. May our hearts never grow dim of the flame of your passion, your love, and your desire for us. Amen.